truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And it's a happy Wednesday here on The Blaze, live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show if you're listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are listening via podcast, thank you for carving out some time for us. If you could leave us a five-star review, if you like our show, we would appreciate that. It helps us to find more people just like you and continue to grow this program. And thank you to all of you that have done those things already. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, will be joining us. Today's Truth Bomb, our fun weekly game of buy, sell, or hold, and more coming your way. But first, of course, we begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. Really, he's got a great personality. He's a, you know, funny guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a great negotiator. He loves his people, not that I'm surprised by that, but he loves his people. His country does love him, his people, you see the fervor, they have a great fervor. Very smart, very good negotiator, wants to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing. And then we fell in love. Okay. No, really. He wrote me beautiful letters. And they're great letters. We fell in love. The relationship was really good. He, you know, it built. And I talked about early on in the relationship and the feeling, well, we had a very good feel right from the beginning. People were saying, what's he like? He's got a very good personality. He's funny and he's very, very smart. He's a great negotiator. Anywho, Michael Cohen is set to testify in front of Congress today, despite blatant witness intimidation on the part of Florida Representative Matt Gates. I would tell you what's in the statement from Cohen that he released, but let's be honest, this is just a big media circus to fill the next 24 hours of cable news with content. Pennsylvania Representative Mary Gay Scanlon said this about border security agents yesterday. Uh, when you say that the cause of migration is legal loop- loopholes or bad judicial decisions, rather than the dire conditions of violence and poverty in these people's homes, country, home countries, it's literally driving them from home. I think it's easier to slam the door against these kids and these families. Um, this hearing is a recognition and an insistence that on that humanity, um, a recognition that the Flores decision also addressed, and a recognition that just following orders 
is no more an excuse today than it was uh, back in Germany. Senior White House advisor Jared Kushner went full globalist cuck on the Middle East. I think the economic impact could be felt throughout the entire region uh, by the Jordanians, the Egyptians, the Lebanese. If you can get people to have integrated, uh, the political plan, which is very detailed, is really about establishing borders and resolving final status issues. But in order to, uh, you, the goal of uh, resolving these borders is really to eliminate the borders. And so uh, if you can eliminate borders and have peace, uh, less fear of terror, you could have freer flow of goods, freer flow of people. Behold the March cover of Rolling Stone. Behold, breaking barriers. Across the U.S., transgender athletes are breaking barriers in high school, college, and pro sports and being embraced by teammates and fans. But resentments can still flare when transgender women start winning and dominating and their sport. And finally, this kit will solve gender inequality in breastfeeding by making men lactate. Here's how. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> Aaron's montage brought to you by... Our good friends at WaxRx, although I have to tell you, when I hear Trump talk about the vile dictator of North Korea, I just kind of want to leave the wax in those ears so I hear it less. I I, I, I don't want to use WaxRx when he does this. But um, if uh, if you've got that plugged up feeling, ear pain, uh, and it may not just be you know when an American president uh, fillets the worst human being arguably on planet Earth. It could be you know something else. Uh, that might be causing that, that requires a professional-level cleaning, but you don't want to have to go to the doctor, let alone all the way to Vietnam to humiliate yourself. So why not just do it in the comfort and convenience of your own home with WaxRx? Now you can get it, a physician-graded formula with a pH balance that soothes the year after, and it doesn't require a prescription either. And now, again, in the convenience of your own home, not at a doctor's office, anywhere else. Just do it right there. All you got to do is go online to usewaxrx.com. That's the name of the website, usewaxrx.com. And you can use offer code humiliate, I'm sorry, uh, radio, offer code radio when you go to usewaxrx.com, offer code radio for free shipping. And those cotton swabs, that's another guilt trip they give you as a parent. You could like potentially rupture your kid's eardrum. Well, apparently they don't really work anyway. So get the solution that works. Use waxrx.com, offer code radio. So um, I would like us today, I'm, and on purpose, I didn't tell you guys I was going to do this, okay? I would like us today to do some a self-assessment, all right? Introspection. Yes. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm mostly serious. <laughs> I can't say I'm totally serious given what we, uh, you know, the sublime to ridiculous that uh, we are covering on a daily basis around here. But my, my intention and premise, I should say, my, you know, that's my motivation. Let's go with that. Right? We're always talking about God judges what's on the heart. My motivation is for us to do this with sincerity. We, some level of gallows humor is probably unavoidable given the age in which we currently reside. But I, I, my in motivation is for us to do this with sincerity. Okay. So yesterday we were talking about the sh the the show vote Republicans held on children that survive abortions and whether they can be murdered while they're sitting there breathing on their own uh, or with a heartbeat, uh, fully developed. As you know, the party of death, uh, the the Molech cult called the Democrats, want to be able to kill those kids anyway, right? We talked about we that. We did, right? And one of the things I said to you, Todd, 
when you were laying down some ordinance uh, on the Republican Party for resorting to nothing but showboats on this on the life issue when it was empowered to do something about it how many times over the last 20 years and has done nothing basically including the la- the previous two right one of the things i said to you was we 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 have to figure out how to or something to this effect and if it's not how what i said to you correct me okay but that we we got to understand the the cynicism as a default Yes, we need to always acknowledge that, but we can't become numb to the to the moral um, the the moral cause put before us at the same time. It was something to that effect, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. and you were right. I'm struggling to take my own advice where this Michael Cohen thing is concerned. Now, this is the president's longtime former attorney, his conciliary. Really, I mean, for lack of a better term, some 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 combination of fixer to gopher, depending on your interpretation of events. Do you guys think that's fair? I think that's a sure. fair characterization. Yeah, I think that's been uh, yeah. worn out. Unlike a lot of the pundits and, and politicians that you'll see grandstanding today and pundits who will provide their commentary before, during and after today. I've actually read all of the court filings in his case. I've read them all. What was that? I'm sorry for you. <laughs> this is not a good person. Number one. Who says? Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there. Not a shakeup, but you guys are down, and it makes says sense who? that there would. Be <laughs> says who? Most of them. All of them. <laughs> says who? <laughs> well played. <laughs> <laughs> Let it be restated for the record. My my motivation was to do this with sincerity. Sin what? Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I'm fired. I I I I may need to be fired. All right. This should be very serious. The personal attorney of the president of the United States has already pled guilty to crimes that he's going to prison for. Okay? And and he is testifying under oath before Congress today. The sorts of things that should in a in a in a standalone construct be very damaging to a presidency. I can't bring myself to care. This started during uh, my kickboxing workout today. I have watched none of it since I got in here. We taped the sports show with Kurt Schilling, uh, future Hall of Famer. He was watching it from his home office as I came in to do the show. And he asked me, are you watching this? And my immediate, did you guys catch my visceral reaction? Yeah. I mean, it was like sign of the cross. Like, uh, never, no, not no, but m- no. And Kurt's reaction was like, sorry for asking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I could put a Hall of Famer yeah. on his heels. And that was not my intention. I love did you that- catch my, vi- yeah, your visceral reactions are usually so subtle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I did. 
you know, I'm kind of proud of myself for being able to do that. You know, most of what I do, most of what we have to talk about is lowering my T level nowadays. I kind of feel like a um, more of a robust person. I, I kind of got Kurt Schilling to kind of push back. Yeah. Okay. My bad. Sorry, dude. Let's just go ahead and get to the show. All right. But because this entire thing to me is masterpiece theater, that this is largely being done. So a few Republicans can get helmet stickers tonight on Fox News. And this is largely being done so that a few Democrats can make hearts a flutter and skip a beat tonight on CNN. That all of the excuses for the behavior that Michael Cohen will lay out are preloaded. All of the, 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 the pearls are pre-clutched that from all these lying, scamming politicians who just can't believe Donald Trump acted that way when they do the same or worse. We're literally going to say the same people that thought Michael Cohen was a great ally to the president not 13 months ago are now going to say he's a knuckle-dragging liar. And the same people that couldn't wait to humiliate Michael Cohen 13 months ago are now going to say that he is essentially, um, who's the guy that was the whistleblower in Watergate? I'm not thinking of, uh, Dean was his last name, right? John Dean. Uh, yeah, that he's essentially John Dean, yeah. Um, he, Michael Cohen is going to go from a guy that uh, was alleged to be the point person to help uh, the Russian agent Donald Trump steal the election from the Democratic Party to being invited to speak at the Democratic Convention in 2020 if he's out of prison by then. And on the other hand, the president and his allies are going to say this guy is a liar and a terrible person, which, of course, then begs the question, why did you make him your lawyer all this time? Was it new knowledge to you that he is a liar and a terrible person? Did you just discover this in April of 2018? And... I am concerned, and I, I, I want some accountability, okay? Am I taking the easy way out here by just dropping out? I, I just, by not even taking, I'm, I'm not taking part. All kinds of clicks I'm going to lose today by not providing my hot takey commentary on this. I won't watch a nanosecond of it. And am I letting my cynicism, am I doing kind of what I pushed back on you yesterday? Am I now doing it? Where I am letting my cynicism give me no, dull my senses to what is morally taking place in front of me, because my default mechanism the last few years has become: if I don't believe there's a winnable argument here or any place to grab any form of moral high ground, I just eject and don't participate. That's that's kind of been where I am at. So let's talk this out for a few minutes. Should we take this more seriously? I'm asking. I, I don't. I'm, I, I want to know seriously what you think. Is this is this more serious than what I think it is? Can I answer your question with a question? Sure. To what end? Absolutely. You mean to take it seriously? To what end? <laughs> yeah. And what does what does that mean? Taking it seriously. That's see. That's why I don't take it seriously because I don't know the answer to that question. Now, but on the other hand, I'm always, we're the show that tells people not to accept the truth on the basis of whether it, the outcome of accepting it is what you want it to be or not. The truth is the truth, regardless of whether you like the outcome of it being true or not. I just don't know in this case, 
I hate to go all Pontius Pilate here. What is truth? But Caius Veritas here, what is the truth? That's what What is the truth? What if what if it's just as simple as it's just terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly? The problem is there's no fixed standard to care about. We started off with collusion. We're here. Emily uh, Zanotti uh, of the, the Daily Wire. The Wire. She said today, I totally— She's a good Twitter yeah, follower for our really audience, good. by the way, if you're looking for a pretty good uh, and, and snarky follow. But she's she, good. She speaks to what we're talking about. I totally believe Trump never intended to win the presidency. I was told totally. he was never intended to win and, the presidency. And we've ta- we talked about that a year ago, mm-hmm. two years ago. I talked and about this, that yes. four years yes. ago. Yeah. So. And she said, goes on, uh, I don't even know if he wanted to. But if Cohen contends that, he cannot also contend that Trump was so desperate to win that he colluded with Russia. That's She's bringing up one uh, contradiction in thinking among an infinite number. There's You can't there, – there's just too many competing agendas in this. If there was one fixed standard, even if it was a fallacious fixed standard, at least we could spend some time and not lose our sanity on that. But the, And then you pile that on top of the fact that many of the people doing the virtue signaling of this are telling you infanticide is cool yep. and those dudes over there in Connecticut can take awards away from your daughter. You can't – Take it serious. It is a it is a sign. It is at the end of the matrix that he finally decides. Yeah, why in the hell am I fighting this thing? You can't. You the only way to win is not to play, and and you have got to bow out and watch it and pick your spots. You, as you said, you've actually read all this, so you're not ignoring it. He's a bad person. Yeah, yeah. he deserves to go to prison. I'm talking about Michael Cohen. And, and by the way, who employed him at the whole time he was doing all the bad things Donald that are Trump. worthy of him going to prison for? Donald Trump. Do we should we play the game of if the shoe was on the other foot? Here's the problem with playing that game. We would all say the same things, just switch sides. Yeah. This thing has gotten so ridiculous that now Michael Cohen is being attacked by the president's supporters on the basis he cheated on his wife. Uh, self-awareness much? You're on Team Trump and you want to attack people on infidelity grounds? Right. I mean, have you read the Michael Cohen court filings? There's literally 29 other things you could attack him for right there. Robert Mueller tells you, or the U.S. Attorney's Office, I should say, tells you, um, Michael Cohen lied to us. They literally say this in the court filings. It's, you can itemize under oath 29 things to attack Michael Cohen for, and, you, and Trump supporters want to attack him on the grounds that he's in. And, and yet at the same time, you don't care that the president was tapping a porn star while his wife was breastfeeding their child? Help, there's, there, there's, I can't find any, my, I read something my friend Michael Ferris at Alliance Defending Freedom put on his Facebook page. He put today, lost in the shuffle of all of this. Anybody remember when attorney-client privilege was a thing in America? We can now, if we don't like your politics, we can just compel your attorney to come and, and rat out. We're, I, I'm greatly concerned about that. On the other hand, we also are, de- the president has said multiple times, maybe we should use the government to crack down on the First Amendment. I have no solid footing. I, I can't find a way to take any stance on this that doesn't turn me into some form of a hack. But maybe I'm, am I, and that's why I'm just like, See, the only way to win the game is not to play. That, isn't that the goal of the system? <laughs> Isn't this just? Isn't this just um, basically a consummation of, uh, of of the system for itself? The goal of the system is e- eventually the, the swamp. 
is to eventually uh, make you a part of it, to swallow you alive, yeah. and to put you in situations like this. And the only winning move, again, war games, only strange game, only winning move is not to play, sometimes. And that's one of those times. Uh, that's, that's a win. Not becoming, not be clowning yourself for the sake of Michael Cohen. Are you serious? No. I mean, and, and then from a, just a, a Christian, you know, a, a standpoint of our faith as well, I, what part of this um, what part of this helps us act justly? Uh, what part of this helps us uh, help us helps us accomplish a loving mercy, uh, walking humbly with our God? What part of this uh, helps us to know it, none of it, none of it. It is a pointless exercise. Is there any justice being done? Well, not through this hearing today. It's just an airing of grievances from both sides. That's all it is. So I, that's what I think it is. It's a made-for-TV event, basically. I just saw this clip from Michael Cohen. He, 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 speaking to Republican lawmakers, quote, I did the same thing that you're doing now. For 10 years, I protected Mr. Trump for 10 years. The more people that follow Mr. Trump, as I did blindly, they're going to suffer the same consequences that I'm suffering, unquote. But, but <laughs> here's the thing. We said all these things to the, Clinton, to the Democrats about the Clintons in the 90s. What did they suffer? A lot of those politicians that blindly, suffered, blindly followed Bill Clinton in the 90s are actually all still in office. Nancy Pelosi is still in office. Chuck Schumer is still in office. They even have more power than they had in the 90s. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, is that even true? Is that even true? The tribalism is so embedded here that I, I think that this is being done so that you, the, the Democrats can begin to justify an impeachment proceeding. That, that's what I think. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it has any. I don't think it matters whatsoever. Anything else other than that? If there was any. If, if there was any evidence of Russian collusion, do you think Bob Mueller would let Michael Cohen testify today? Of course he wouldn't, because his his investigation has not been concluded. His final report has not been written. So what you said is exactly right. This is this is, and this is mainly Michael Cohen <laughs> telling us stuff we already knew about Donald Trump. Yeah, which is why. It, which it, but but I, mean, I kind of feel like I'm practicing moral relativism by I, saying, well, since I already knew he was a bad person, it's not a bad, it's not a big deal to me. No, it's not. It's the you just no go. You need to go back and reconnect. Even though we put it aside, moving forward, but go back and reconnect with never Trump. All of this is why we were never Trump. We didn't know about this, but this kind of thing, these character flaws, there's no way to avoid being latched onto this on some level. So your instincts are the same as they were then. Just once he's president, you're like, listen, we're all here. Let's try to make the best of this thing. But you're not, there's nothing new here. This Meet the the new boss the same as the old boss. If you read the way, never Trump because this was baked into the cake. If, here's the thing. If you read the court filings against Michael Cohen, he is largely not here. With the exception of the Stormy Daniels matter, okay, with the hush money payments, with the exception of the Stormy Daniels matter, he is actually largely not here because of his association with Donald Trump. He is largely here because he thought he could be his own mini Trump and run his own little scam on the side, and he's not nearly as good at it. And that's where they, that was the pressure point where the feds, that's where they nailed him. 
If you go read the court filings, most of the reason Michael Cohen is going to go to prison is not because of his association with Donald Trump. It's because of his actions using his acclaim clout um, that he had because of his association with Trump, using it to his own advantage and doing so in a way that opened him up to criminality. It's really only the Stormy Daniels hush hush payment money matter that 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 is really any of the thing most almost everything else that he is culpable for he did this to himself which mirrors Roger Stone, yes. Paul Manafort, at all. There's not some great Paul conspiracy. Paul Manafort was taking are... a check from Vladimir Putin before Javanka yes. ever convinced Daddy to hire him to run the campaign. Right. He was a fiend long before this. Long before and this. For that, Donald Trump is is morally indictable. For all of that, of course. In terms of you know, an indictment of his character, his judgment, he should be mocked soundly for that. No, whether it's a crime, though, but that, I mean, people... I guess let me bottom line it. Here's here's what I'm struggling with. My conscience is struggling with this calculation. Is it okay when the when things are this when when the time of the judges, everyone just does what is wise in their own eyes is so abundantly clear? Okay? Those are the signs of the times in which we live. Is it okay to say, I'm going to excuse all of these things? I know are wrong because everybody else is bad too. But the guy in this case that is doing bad will do more of what I want him to do than the other people that are doing bad. That's really the bottom line here, right? Well, when we're told to kick the dust off our sandals and move along to the next town, um, are we, are we violating what you just said? Is that a violation? Are we excusing? Are we justifying uh, all of the sin that's taking place and the unbelief and the moral confusion in that town by kicking the dust from our sandals and moving on? The answer to that question is most clearly no, uh, because uh, we're told that in scriptures that's what we're supposed to do. And that's basically what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, certain situations, um, if if there is no... If there's no clarity, if there's no one clearly willing to uh, listen, I think that's akin to you know akin to needing to to kick the dust from your sandals and move on. You're not excusing anything. What what could you possibly do to sort this out for anybody? I what could I you can't. Poss- yeah, I can't. I I want to make sure we don't become like that we've opposed and condemned. Of course. And I think it is necessary when when these moments come to light for us to sit here and self-assess to make sure we're not succumbing to the same fallacies that we have often pointed out and deconstructed. Well, let me ask you it this way, because I, I've made sure I asked myself this question. If Donald Trump was genuinely, uh, it looked like he could be genuinely guilty of something other than just being Donald Trump, a real crime. Do you have any hesitation about arguing for his removal of office and handing over, basically handing the next election to the Democrats? Because I, I, I don't. I'd say, listen, this is you, you've lost this game, and this we must all suffer the consequences. I, I, I'd have no problem saying Donald Trump should be impeached now, and I understand that almost certainly means that the Democrats have all of Congress and the White House in 2020. I think that's the answer to the question. Would you go down? I don't. Th- I mean, I don't have any doubts you would do that. I want to be able to say in a vacuum the answer to that question is yes. Okay, um, but I also think that you know um, we need to remember total depravity. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. We're, we, we may have um, a light guiding us that, that um, people without um, a, the right belief system don't have access to, but we live east of Eden too, you know? Yeah. And it's a lot easier to overlook a president interning an entire classification of U.S. citizens, which do you think that's maybe an impeachable offense? Because I kind of do. Sure. Hey, you look you, you look Asian. Uh, welcome to our American concentration mm-hmm. camp. Okay. Um, but then you have a sudden you have a tendency to kind of look the other way when, you know, you know, over, across uh-huh. the sea are people that want to end your way of I life. Understand. And, and, and that's my concern is that um, we could fall into the kinds of traps oh, that we're I'm, talking about here. Undeniably so. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough to overlook when, when a group of people literally says to you, you gave birth to a child. It's laying over there. I we know. want to go over yeah. there and knife it I know. in broad daylight. It's really hard to put, to focus my mind around some of the things we're yes. talking about here when that's right in Listen, front of your face. I think Aaron would agree. I'd have way more concern about your ability to keep an eye on the ball if you kept coming back to this over and over again. And like, guys, we, we got to figure this out. We're going to spend another hour. Then I would be pulling you aside and saying, dude... Um, I think, I think this is a little off the wall. I mean, the fact that you, you pull back and say, this is really the joke that it is gives me peace. Well, I think it's constructive. We continue to have these kinds of dialogues and accountabilities, you know, kind of the whole iron sharpening iron thing. Um, because therefore by the grace of God, go the rest of us down the same tribalistic primrose path. So many other people have travailed. Although I've noticed it's made them a lot, a lot of money doing that. Let's rethink this. <laughs> Daniel Horowitz will join us here next. So maybe you read stories about like a recent uh, uh, data breach at a major bank. 24 million uh, people had their identities uh, scammed uh, courtesy of this data breach. And you read those stories and you're like, you know, I've got identity theft protection. I'm not going to sweat it. They'll let me know uh, if my name's on there and they come after me. And and that's good. And you should have identity theft protection if you don't. But have you ever considered the secondary ramifications of this? For example, even if they can't steal your identity, they can now verify it. Because they might have a checking account number, the last four digits of a social security number, uh, a maiden name, middle initial, you know, whatever the code you use to verify your identity, like the the question that pops up. They may have that information now so they can go somewhere else um, without stealing your identity, but verify it in order to take something that belongs to you, like with the deed, the title to your own home. You know, a lot of this is online now. Uh, they don't have to go down to a county accessor recorder site and go through volumes of, of documentation. That's even after, you know, they've been able to successfully clarify their your their you. All this stuff is online now. And now they go to the recorder accessor site, put in that information that they got from this major bank, uh, forge a signature. And before you know it, they may have refiled your home. Uh, they may have uh, taken out 
uh, lines of credit on your equity. I mean, this is the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have is their own home. Protect it with our friends at Home Title Lock for just pennies a day. Uh, you'll make sure that, that you're not one of these latest sob stories because this is one of the, the hot new scams now, home title fraud. To find out if you've already been targeted, uh, you can find out for free. Now, normally a title scan and report via Home Title Lock is a $100 value. Today it's free to our family at The Blaze. If you go online to Home HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Let's welcome in our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Our good friend Daniel Horowitz is here with us. Good to see you, brother. How are you? I'm doing all right. And you know what? I did not get permission from a judge to speak with you today. So it's with much trepidation that I join your audience. So what you're telling me is everything you say can eventually be overturned. That That's what you're you're telling struck us. Struck down. Yeah, struck yeah, down. yeah. Struck down. Thank you. I forget that's the Fed sock language. Hey, before we get to um, other things, we just spent 20 minutes as a team just game planning out, making sure we're not becoming the same people we've often warned our audience about. Talking about why we have zero interest uh, in Michael Cohen's testimony today, the president's former attorney. We, we see no way to come to a place of truth or justice. Everybody is a liar as far as we can see. That it's basically just terrible people doing terrible things to other people terribly. Someone you and I both, you know, have have a connection with, the former Congressman Joe Walsh, uh, was on Twitter just during my commercial break here saying, hey, if this was a, a, a you know, a, a Democrat that had turned on a, a Democratic president and was pointing out what kind of a person they were, these same Republicans uh, that are now calling him a liar would be calling him a hero. And I think you and I both know that's true, but the reverse is also true. Those same Democrats that now want to are thinking about, should we have Michael Cohen speak at the next convention? In that scenario, would be calling that person a liar and a heel and a turncoat. So given given the moral soup here, pea soup here, I I plan on not watching any of it. I have really no commentary on it other than I think most of this is pre-scripted. But, you know, do you view this as anything other than theater? Is there any potential political fallout here other than Democrats just finding rationales for an impeachment they were likely going to pursue anyway? You know, actually, I think it helps Republicans more than Democrats because it gives Republicans some sort of passion to exist because, frankly, they have none. So, you know, for Democrats, look, they're going to do what they're going to do anyway. Um, They're not going to impeach Trump because they know from the Clinton era, unless there's something really new, it always backfires on the people who try to do it. So obviously they just want to keep him bleeding in the public as long as possible. They're not going to do anything with it. But for Republicans, what it provides is comedic relief. It's the political heroin that I keep talking about that distracts us. We're getting screwed on debt. We're getting screwed on health care. Um, you know, just today we had another invasion of Hondurans where one literally dropped a baby and gave birth on the spot. We're told that that's an American citizen and we're stuck with the welfare forever. I mean, you saw my piece today on the the rapists and the criminals that come in this country while the cartels are tying down our agents with asylees. I mean, I, I'm so busy with this. Frankly, Steve, I didn't even know this hearing existed until this morning. And no, I didn't watch a single bit of it. So um to strengthen your point, I am not even paying attention at all. And this is not, I, I mean, Steve, is this why you got into this business? No. I mean, this is not why I, I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that there are problems with our system of governance that, you know, if a court could literally determine everything and anything in our society, we have a, we have a crisis. It is the antecedent to the problem with the border, with crime. 
the problem with our values, the problem with murdering babies, none of this is being addressed. And then the things that we could actually influence with our platforms, let's face it, you know, your average person doesn't watch our platforms. It's a conservative audience that's very committed. The things you could influence, aka policy and personnel within the White House, whether it relates to courts, judicial noms, legislation, budget, obviously immigration, that we don't do. So what this does, it's the perfect comedic relief. And I said this before, I said, you could have the biggest amnesty in a bill. You could have, I'm trying to think how you could get more extreme on abortion than we already are. But I mean, some sort of bill legalizing abortion until two years after birth or something. And Republicans could pass it, Trump could sign it into law, and within a week or two, you will have one of these things. Well, they're tearing down the president. I got to defend him. I, th- th- so what I'm telling you is this hearing actually benefits the entire um, political heroines uh, side, while meanwhile we sit and lose every single battle that matters to the future of this country. All right, then we will quickly uh, pivot and move <laughs> on. Let's get to the the emergency declaration and where where that stands. Number one, has the president actually? It'll be two weeks on Friday since he declared it. Has he actually signed this declaration? Is it a formal declaration now? I don't think it is. I mean, still, so it's still is, not signed. Well, my understanding is this was a guidance given over to the Department of Defense, um, Department of Treasury, a couple others, DHS, obviously. Um, so was I it an emergency suggestion, not emergency declaration? Well, this is the joke. There's a lawsuit. I don't understand how you have a lawsuit. Yeah, what are we There's suing nothing if there. nothing's been declared? What are we suing? We're suing press well, releases? For, He's not allowed all, to say national emergency then? What are we suing? Well, well, we do sue press releases, by the way. I mean, courts have given standing to sue a lot of executive guidance. Remember when Trump said he hopes to get rid of two regulations for every one he enacts? They sued it, even though there wasn't a single specific regulation that they were attacking. I mean, so, yes, we do sue press releases. We sue words. We sue thoughts. um, But the broader thing here is the emergency is not the issue. The issue is him grabbing funds. He hasn't taken any of those funds yet so um i, I don't know yeah i mean I, all right so I we we, we gave it we gave it i, I want to make sure i have this right because i i would like to win this argument because my fear like i've been telling you this for weeks on this segment my fear is if we lose this right here we're going to substantively lose this issue regardless of our regardless of opposition passion we will lose the political will to act on it for the foreseeable future if we lose this moment right here. That is my fear, all right? So I want to make sure I understand the, the chain of events. We've had one Oval Office addressed to the nation, this presidency, and it was a month ago on this issue. That's correct, right? And, and the president told the American people, this is a national emergency, right? We then shut down the, we, we, we had a government, the, this was in the middle of the longest government shutdown ever. We, we temporarily reopened it so the president could give a State of the Union address, and part of it was dedicated to reasserting why this should be a priority in our public policy. Am I correct so far? Okay. Yep. Then, then when the deadline on February 15th arrived for that temporary funding resolution to expire, the, the president, rather than giving, a, giving us another temporary resolution, signed a nine-month budget, that, which was most of this year, would take every substantive appropriations policy debate with Congress 
off the table for most of this year and included, as we've documented with your help, numerous amnesty poison pills in this budget. And the president himself last week on Twitter admitted it was a quote, it was quote, weak on border security. Those are his own words. Am I still correct on this? Okay. Two two weeks from, or, or 12 days ago, the president of the United States then in a Rose Garden ceremony issued a, said he was going to issue a national emergency at the border. Okay. Um, and now we are 12 days later, no declaration has been signed, no substantive extra effort that would indicate to the American people that our border, which is, you know, our last line of defense of the homeland is, 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 you know, we are acting accordingly that this is, this is an emergency. Am I right on this? If I'm wrong, please tell me, am I right on this? Well, yeah. For example, Chip Roy's uh, idea of designating the cartels as terror groups, that would really go a long way in asserting that we have an emergency because you got like really bad dudes orchestrating this invasion of our country. And I all know, cause stuff. I, I'm getting tweets and- from people telling me I'm a liar, that we are building the wall. We're doing all kinds of things at the border that I'm ignoring. If this is true, I don't know. Anybody knows more about this than you. By all means, I want our audience to get the well, truth. So what what have we what are we doing to indicate that this is an emergency? What what beef what what what's happening that I don't know about? You would know, so I'm asking. I, I mean, we've been doing things for the last two years. Obama's been doing things, every DHS is doing things. Um, you know, under existing funds, they were replacing some areas of dilapidated fencing until now. Um, nothing has changed substantively the last couple of weeks. I do think I don't have the exact number, but at least a couple hundred more troops were sent to the border. Um, but again, they're not acting like a hundred troops to you sound like an emergency. No. And what's worse than that is what the, those few hundred troops are doing. Now they do say there's a total of 5,000 there now, which is already getting more than usual, Mm -hmm. but they're just, um, you know, stringing wire. They're not allowed to do anything, maybe fix some vehicles. But here again, the emergency is, that anyone who wants in the entire country, in the entire world, could come and say, I want to come here, no matter how problematic, impoverished they are, drop a baby, and then pay cartels to strategically tie down our border agents with them while they bring in other people. I documented that those cases yesterday. Sometimes you have good work, coordination with the National Guard, um, other agencies, and they stop them. Other times they don't. There is nothing new going on on here okay um the emergency we have in this country are the issues we are not addressing all right so we have an emergency declaration that 12 days later has not been signed he's being sued over a declaration he hasn't actually issued okay um you've done it you've done exhaustive work on how the president uh, has the power to issue this emergency declaration and yet we're sitting around with an unissued declaration that's unsigned that you have made the case he has the power to issue waiting for congress to give him permission to do something that you've already pointed out he has the power to do and still 12 days later hasn't done am i right on this so far am i am i following this right so far you are you are correct okay the democratic house voted yesterday to to overturn his emergency declaration, which we've already established he has the power to issue, but he's he wants permission. He's, he, he's waiting for Congress to give well, him permission to do something he can already do. What are they overturning then? I don't understand. Well, so, so just one point on that last point. Um, built into the statute he's using, the Emergencies Act, 
so Congress could disapprove of it. So that is a natural next step. Now, typically, they've never done that before. By denying uh, appropriation, for example, is that how they would they would disapprove of it? Is that what they would do? Say we're not going to appropriate yeah. that which you're declaring an emergency for. Is that what they would do? They, they would do that, but I'm just saying there is a particular. Yeah, but I, this is an important thing. I'm point I'm trying to make here. The way they would do that is by not issuing an appropriation. Correct. That's how they would ultimately. It Otherwise, it's just a that, piece but, of paper, but, but, right? But this particular statute, more than any other executive action, does a, has an accompanying along accompanying provision along with the discretion delegated to the president is a condition that Congress could nullify it. Originally, it was just Congress. Okay. Of course, ironically, <laughs> listen to this: the courts control everything. So. The courts in, in 1983 said they can't do that. So in 85, they came back and modified it that they could disapprove, but it has to get the president's signature. Now, so I, I don't believe that. he's going to win in the Senate, by the way. I mean, you're, I, Lamar Alexander no, no. has a lower liberty score than Kamala Harris, okay? And he's the deciding vote on this. If you do the math as it stands right now, I think we know which way he's likely going to oh, go, yeah. okay? So this is, this is my, has been my concern about going down this path for the last two weeks. And this conversation has reinforced my concern. We are going to set the precedent now that the courts are going to officiate an appropriations dispute. That, I'm telling everybody, everybody can hear my voice right now. They can see my face. That's a terrible precedent to set in my view. Do you understand the precedent that will be set? You know, <laughs> Alexander Hamilton writes, I think it's in Federalist 78, yep. when, he's, when he's responding to the anti-Federalist saying, you don't understand the premise you're allowing the courts, they're going to, the flights of fancy they're going to take off against on the future. And he writes and he capitalizes these words, by the way, that the, when you, it, the courts have neither the force or will, meaning, and he specifies what that means, he itemizes it. They can't coin money and they can't raise an army. Now, why did he use those two specifications? Because all throughout human history, what are the two most sweeping powers, any form of government, monarchy, oligarchy, Politburo, democracy, what's the two most sweeping powers any government has? The coining of money and the appropriation of it and the raising of an army. And he says, no matter what you think courts may imagine, imagine in the future, they don't have the force of will to do either of those things. We are about to go to a court now and say, settle this appropriations dispute. Am I wrong about this? Is that a terrible precedent to set, Daniel? No, you're, you're exactly right, because to my knowledge, even according to the liberal view of this, I don't think the litigation is going to be over, could you declare an emergency? It's how much money right? are we going to give to doing it? it yes. It's the second step of it. Right. The, the issue is not declaring. The, no, no one's going to argue he can't declare an emergency. It says if he determines it's an emergency, there's no condition on that. But what they're going to say is when it says the next thing, this section of the Emergencies Act that allows him to reprogram DOD funding when he believes that it's to buttress, I forgot the exact word of the statute, but in support of the troops, then they're going to start playing around with that. I don't agree that that's something that you could litigate. But that's the point they're going to talk about. It's when he comes to take that $2.5 billion, that's the issue. You're exactly right. There is nothing left that a court can't do. But Steve, the if we let them, if we, if we, I, I want to make sure if we let them into the appropriations arena, then there really is no it, elections largely become a pointless exercise. 
at least on the domestic level. At I mean, that they already point. have, in my view. But, yeah, they, but yeah, yeah, you're right. But but that's tacitly. This is, or implicitly, or effectively, this is officially. You are officially saying now there really is a, there's no point to having a legislative branch in America whatsoever if we're going to let the courts determine appropriations while we're at it. Steve, I just want to broaden your point because this is not just, I, I understand how you're saying this is taking it to the next level with appropriations, but this is a broader problem with the Trump administration. To a certain extent, you got to sympathize with them, that they are being attacked sure. much more than anyone else by the courts. C- certain things that every administration did, um, I have a list of about 20 examples of Trump merely discontinuing an Obama discretionary policy, and they say you have to continue it. I mean, never in the history has that happened. But the problem is there's no middle ground and lukewarm hell in what Trump's going through now. Once the courts make that attack on your watch, you have to push back because if you don't, then that does become the baseline. So Mm -hmm. what I'm telling you is on every other issue, it's already become the baseline. I'll never forget the night of the first travel ban. I've got a minute. Sure. I'll never forget the first night of the travel ban. um, I was sitting with an immigration expert friend of mine, and I was saying, you got to be kidding me. The courts, how, how do they get involved in that? And she was like, don't worry. It's just the people at the airports, but everyone else. Um, you know, they're they're in foreign countries. There's no way you're going to get standing. And it was like obvious. And now two, two years later, it's like a no brainer that everyone gets standing and we don't even bat an eyelash because we never pushed back. Nothing matters until this court issue is dealt with. And you're right. We're just fanning the flames of judicial supremacy. Mm. Daniel Horowitz, uh, our weekly prophet of woe and lamentation from Conservative Review. Good to see you. Welcome back to the blaze. Thanks for being here, brother. Appreciate yeah. it even though I always feel worse after seeing you and talking to you each week. (laughs) We'll come back with hour two right here on The Blaze. Stay tuned. And we're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron here with me as well. 888-900-3393. Steve at SteveDace.com. D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, today's truth bomb coming your way here in a matter of moments, as well as our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold. One of the things we try to do uh, on our show is stand with people who are taking a stand. You know, one of the toughest things you can do in life is... Go against the people you love um, and and loving them enough to tell them when they're wrong. And that's exactly what Miss Victoria Hurst is doing right now. Uh, she's a part of William Randolph Hearst's family, the legendary American tycoon. And one of her family's properties is Cosmopolitan Magazine. And I don't know if you've noticed uh, what uh, they're putting on the cover recently when you're in the checkout counter. If you haven't, consider maybe your kids have. And it's, uh, it's a lot more, uh, shall we say, penthouse than glamour. Okay, so she's like, hey, if 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 the family's going to do adult-oriented material, I would prefer we don't, but okay, then it should be shielded from children the way other adult-oriented material that it emulates already is. If that's something you agree with, um, then lend your voice to hers to encourage her family to practice better corporate stewardship. CosmoHurtsKids.com is the website. That's H-U-R-T-S. CosmoHurtsKids.com. 
I want to reset the conversation we just had with Daniel Horowitz because I, I know distinctions are tough to draw in our ready, fire, aim uh, world and we're all busy and everything else, okay? I want to, I do not, and I said at the time, you know, we had Josh Hammer, who, former uh, federal uh, clerk on the U.S. Court of Appeals. Um, I've never, I don't, I do not in general buy into the argument that, no, there's certain things we can't do because if we do them, then the Democrats will do them later on. In general, I don't necessarily buy into that argument. I, the Democratic Party is literally arguing for taking a baby that's out there on a tray and knifing it. Okay, so I, I, I'm not sure. Do, do you know what? They're going to do it anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. What what precedent are we? What what? Tell me what speed bump stop sign the Democratic Party has has honored red light. Um, <laughs> tell me, tell me the, which the, one yeah. they've honored in the, recent memory. The better argument using that line of of reasoning is for our own integrities. We should not do this. We should practice what we preach. If that's, I'm going to give them yes. the best benefit of the I, doubt. Yeah, that but argument is is always worthy of us having. In yes. fact, we're going to kind of have it on the roundtable later today. By the way, all right. So that argument is always worthy of having, and that's why we went back and had we looked at the scholarship that Daniel Horowitz and Josh Hammer and others did. And by the way, Josh, remember he said when he was on our show talking about this two weeks ago, his boss, Ben Shapiro, who's Harvard-educated law, doesn't agree with his legal opinion on this. Okay, but that, that's why those guys did the scholarship and looked at the statute and looked at the, the precedents, okay? Um, so that's the right argument against it. The argument of, of don't, don't correct a wrong using a method that the Democrats will use against you later on. The, the Democrats don't, they're moral relativists, moral subjectivists, uh, amoralists. They're, they're, they're a law unto themselves. Those arguments are literally, you're, those are French foreign legion arguments. You're, you're literally saying to yourself, you know, let's find a creative way to surrender next time so we don't just surrender the way we did the last time. That's not an argument, okay? That's not an argument. That's head desk. That's what that is, Okay. I'm not making that argument about setting a bad precedent here. I'm not, I don't, I don't, let me tell you why the Democrats aren't going to use a national emergency for gun violence. You're just going to hand your gun over? Because I've heard that one a ton too. You're right. You're right. All you gun owners, just when Elizabeth Warren, President Warren, President Kamala sends the stormtroopers to your door, you're going to be like, oh, shucks, Sonny. Hand them our AR-15 that they think stands for assault rifle when it doesn't. You're not going to do that. Okay. That's why they're not going to do that. You know what? There's an eight and a half pound collection of, of tissue and muscles right here between your two frontal lobes. You know what it's called? Brain. Good Lord put it there. It's okay to use that every now and then for a little common sense. Okay? So that's another stupid argument. I'm not making a democratic precedent argument. I'm talking about the judiciary. We have almost no remaining areas in lockdown away from these unelected judges. Almost none left. There's only really two. War declarations and appropriations. The two that Alexander <laughs> Hamilton particularly itemized in Federalist 78. They're the only two left. Since the president signed this budget that includes border security in it for the most of the remainder of this year, he is not issuing an emergency declaration on inaction. He is, he is issuing it on a lack of action. And oh, by the way, he hasn't actually issued it yet. 
Can we, that's a point that we can't stress enough. Forget, you know, what each side would be saying about, you know, if it was their rat that was testifying before Congress. Forget all that. Can you imagine what we'd all be? Let's do something that we all care about that matters. Can you imagine what every one of our peers would be doing if a Democratic president told the American people, we are literally being invaded at the southern border? And then 12 days went by and literally did nothing. Didn't even sign his deck. Can you, do, you, do you know how many books Regnery would have had published by now? With, how, many, how many guests... How many guest lists would you have received? Get this guy on with his new best-selling book. Uh, you know, how many of those would we, how many of those interviews would we all be doing right now? All Countless. of them. All of them. Yes, all of them. That's what's happened the last twelve days. So we're not. I need to. You need to understand. We're not having an argument about whether or not to secure the border. The argument is about how much appropriate, how much to appropriate to that end. Go back to what I said a minute ago. I don't care about what the Democrats are just going to do whatever the hell they want because they're literally preaching doctrines of demons. They're not a consideration in this process whatsoever. But you're losing your country to these courts. It is the courts that declared child sacrifice. It is the courts that have redefined marriage. It is the courts that said, and, and, and opinions like Plyler v. Doe, you have to subsidize illegal aliens. Just go right on down the line. It's the courts that said your century farm can be confiscated because, you know, uh, the county needs a new strip mall. That's Kilo v. New London. The courts have done almost all of the work, the dirty work of the left. Almost all of it. You only have two sectors of your liberty that have been largely off limits to their grimy little hands. And we're about to go right into federal court and invite them in one of them. Because the argument isn't whether or not to secure the border. The argument is the Democratic House didn't give me enough money. Pray that a judge, pray that a judge says no on the grounds that I don't have jurisdiction for this fight, Mr. President, your argument isn't about your declaration. It's an appropriations debate. Settle that with the normal legislative process. Pray, pray. That's the outcome here. Because if you are concerned about precedents that will be used against, real ones that will be used against you later on, can you only imagine, can you only imagine what these federal judges will conjure up in the future for you to fund And if they're going to mandate now or attempt to, women have to register for a draft, then we're just going to let them right into the war declar- the war powers section that they've been cordoned off from in the future as well. We're going to let them right in. That's the precedent I'm afraid of. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, I mean... This let me underscore uh, something tangentially, uh, tangentially, um, that has everything to do with this. This is exactly, exactly how ninety nine percent of our elected uh, representatives in Congress would like this to be. All the trappings uh, and still some of the power uh, and the title of being in Congress 
absolutely none of the responsibility. Yes. So they can keep getting the NGO made me do it. The courts made me do it. Oh, oh, man. You realize this is going to screw up conservative reviews, Liberty scorecard so bad because you can you Republicans can take the most conservative vote on literally anything. And so long as the courts have power to do literally anything, the, the people, Republicans, rhinos can just go. I tried my best. I voted the right way. It's these nasty courts vote Republican in 2024 yep. because we need a president who's going to appoint constitutionalist, originalist, uh, great guys on the Chevron doctrine to the courts. With a great singing voice. With a great singing voice. And by the way, vote for me as well because, because I'm going to help our president get those judges through. This is the game. Yep. This is the this is the way we play. This has been the game for a long time now, but especially when it comes to when it comes to spending issues. Oh, oh boy, this is the this is the rhino's dream. No doubt it is. It's their nocturnal emission, man. You might as well get the Pontius Pilate basin and just make that the replace the elephant and make that the symbol of the Republican Party. They'll just be standing out there doing one of these numbers. It'll be it'll it it it'll it'll be it'll be Palm Sunday every day from from a legislative standpoint. Just wiping our hands of the matter. I mean, there's just nothing we can do about it. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's nothing to have. I mean, the courts have spoken, you know. And, you know, yeah, and vote Republican for better judges, even though it was a GOP-appointed judge that just did all this mess that we don't like. But, uh, hey, you know, keep it going. Keep the gravy train rolling. What do you think, Todd? You know, I was talking about this very thing from a different point of view yesterday when I uh, addressed a tweet from Meghan McCain, who was talking about uh, infanticide and uh, saying how heinous this was. But she said, "You, you, you will be judged. By history. And that, see, that's what the people Aaron's talking about. That's what they do all the time. No, you won't. No, they won't. History does. You know that old thing about history is written by the winners? Mm-hmm. You're not just going to be judged by history. These people are winning in a route. They're going to write the and they're history. They're going to write the history. That's right. Stop talking like this. It's appalling. The same kind of people who run and count on this. We played a clip of a Democrat member of Congress comparing our own ability to secure the border to Nazi Germany. That just goes right to your point. And you do nothing. She's rewriting history right up there in the Congress. You get the vapors, you virtue signal, how dare you, and we just do it all again. This is going to take somebody who's willing to bear the burden— it won't be fun, but they know it's the right thing to do to shake all of this up. You, you, and it, enough of the virtue signaling, because we are watching the most heinous takeovers, the most heinous constitutional takeovers, the redefining of family, gender, life. It's all happening right now. It's not some apocalyptic problem for later. It's right now and your virtue signaling can go straight to hell because it's not that's where all of us are going to end up if that's all you got in your quiver let's get to today's truth bomb brought to you my mind that seems like a good segue to a truth bomb because he just kind of dropped one right there my new book truth bombs confronting the lies conservatives believe to our own demise available everywhere but to amazon.com right now get your copy for the children uh, and if you uh, like the book, if you've had a chance to read it, if you could leave us a review, a five-star at Amazon, we would appreciate that. 
Uh, I want to thank uh, Glenn Beck and Mark Levin, Dan Bongino, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro for their endorsements of the book as well. So if you don't like me and it's not like I haven't given you reasons, I know you like them because they're all a lot more popular than me. So take their word for it. They endorse the book. Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believed or Our Own Demise. And I, I want to share this undeniable truth of the Trump presidency. Because we keep, I, I, I'm getting pushed back on my North Korea criticism, on the notion that he's a great negotiator. Here's an undeniable truth of, the, of, of Trump's presidency. When he asserts himself, like what you saw with the moving of the embassy to Jerusalem, ending the sham Iran deal, things go, tend to go well. It's when he attempts to negotiate, like almost every one of his dealings with Congress, like with North Korea, that's when things go poorly. Here's why. And it goes back to what I said a couple of weeks, or maybe it was about a week ago when we talked about gangsters, crusaders, and groupies. I don't deny that the president's not a good negotiator in a certain, in a certain industry, in a, in, a, in, a, in a certain environment. The record indicates that he is. He's got billions of dollars. If you know, you know a tree by its fruit, his money tree has a lot more money than mine and yours and most of us. <laughs> Okay, so I'm not denying that, okay? The problem is you cannot negotiate with people who have nothing to negotiate with you for, who, have, who don't share any of the similar goals, outcomes, interests whatsoever. You can't do that. The reason why, the reason why Trump can't get a good deal from Congress isn't because he just forgot to how to negotiate. That, that's not why. It's because he's negotiating with people who don't care and hate you. So you can't negotiate with that. They're going to offer nothing. That's why, you know, originally he was going to, he was going to bring peace to the, remember he went, originally when he went to Israel, remember he met with a boss, remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And then like right after he did that, there was video of a boss basically, you know, death to Israel. So a few months later, Trump's like, F that noise. We're just moving to Jerusalem. We're just moving the, moving the embassy then. Have we seen mass bloodshed since we moved the embassy like we were warned? No, in fact, Netanyahu's talking to Saudi Arabia now and American evangelical ministers and leaders are meeting with um, al-Sisi in Egypt and Abdullah in Jordan. No, I haven't seen any of that, actually. When he just acted. Number one thing he's done to the economy isn't his tax cut. I mean, uh, it's, it was nice. You know, I mean, I think I get $100 more a month or something in, in my paycheck, which is under more than I was getting before, so I appreciate it. But no, no, no the, the economy actually began turning around the minute that he started talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of some of these Obama self-imposed regulations. And right away, people went like, hey, finally, the, the sea's parting, the clouds are opening up, sun is shining through, let's roll. When he, now not every unilateral act has been good, like his tariffs, for example, but Look at the record of when he has just acted and asserted himself and compare it to the, and, and look what, and what's the win-loss record there? 
You know, if we were doing like a breakdown against this team, you know, or uh, night games or on AstroTurf or on natural grass or after, you know, three straight home dates, right? You're looking for trends, okay? What's the Trump presidency win-loss trend when he asserts himself? He's not undefeated, but what's the win-loss record when he asserts himself compared to when he tries to negotiate with literally anybody? At least maybe there was a line, maybe. I, I don't even think it's close, guys. It's not, it's not even close. When he just acts, tell me what North Korea, what we're negotiating with them for. For them to denuclearize, okay? Why would they do that? Because the only reason the president of the United States is meeting with a guy with a, with a zany bull haircut, rape rooms, gulags, and concentration camps. The only reason they're meeting is what? What's the only reason they're meeting? Why, why, why aren't we meeting with, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the fiends of some other blank hole country? Why are we meeting with them? Because they have what, Todd? What do they have? Nuclear weapons. So, yeah. Do they have like a bunch of widgets we want? Do they make a whole bunch of high quality, low price goods we'd like to import? I'm quite certain no. No, no. I think Lester Holt went and visited last year and told us about how colorful the buildings were. That was there there yeah. is that. Yeah, there was that. So I mean they got Technicolor. Welcome to Doris Day and Rock Hudson. So okay. So North Korea's only reason they are viable on planet Earth at all is they have what? Nuclear weapons. Do they have what else do they have? So um they have nothing else. We want them to give up the only thing that they have. Why would they do that? Pallets of cash was, you know, but that, but they, they, they took pallets of cash from, that was Madeleine Albright's master plan in the Clinton years. Okay. So we gave them pallets of cash under Clinton, pallets of cash under Bush, pallets of cash under Obama. Did they, did they give up their nukes? No. Okay, so now we're gonna we're gonna Twitter slurp them into giving them up. We're gonna bromance them into giving them up. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can't negotiate with evil. You can't negotiate with a, you can't negotiate with a different kind of corruption than you. See, Trump comes from a world where corruption's okay if everybody gets their hand in the pie in some of the graft. The Republican Party leadership doesn't want every hand to get some of the graft. They just want their hands to have it. So it's open borders or nothing. How do you negotiate with that? Do you know? I don't, is he just trolling China for some reason? I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know, but I think there's a general principle here. When he just acts in defiance of the system, his record of success and accomplishment is much better than when he attempts to negotiate with it. He is winless negotiating with any of these symptoms or systems. Symptoms, boy, that was a Freudian slip. He is winless when negotiating with any of these systems. Winless, winless. Okay, it's like your favorite baseball team, and you know when there's one that one guy is starting today, you're like, good day, take the kids to the zoo. No point staying in, watching this one. We know, going to be five, nothing, top of the first, okay? That's Trump every time he attempts to negotiate with, the, with any of these systems, okay? Because these systems are not into, you know, as long as we all get a piece of the action, life is great. Nope, they're into the golden rule. Whoever has the gold 
gets to make all the rules, right? So winless in negotiations, winless. Uh, I'd at least say he's above 500, with maybe even better than that, when he just acts, okay? That is the undeniable truth of this presidency. So I, I'm not saying that he has lost his negotiating power. I'm saying you can't negotiate with this type of corruption and evil because it doesn't want to coexist. It wants dominion. And that's a zero-sum game, guys. Dominion is a zero-sum game. Let's get to buy, sell, or hold. One of our favorite segments brought to you today by Patriot Mobile. Did you know there's only four major cell phone carriers in the country? You know, that's because it's so expensive for every carrier to put up their own towers. So for the most part, you're going to get the same reliable nationwide coverage with, you know, a percentage here or there, no matter which carrier you use. So what's the real difference? Well, probably what that company decides to do with the money that you pay them. And unfortunately, most of your major carriers donate buku bucks to the American left. The CEO of Patriot Mobile said, hey, somebody's got to do something about that. He's a former combat veteran. He served in both Iraq wars and Afghanistan. And he and the founders of Patriot Mobile realized the left is always using their corporate interests to fund their candidates and causes. So why can't conservatives do the same thing? Join the thousands of Americans using Patriot Mobile today. It's easy to switch and their unlimited talk and text plans start for as low as $20 a month. Learn more right now at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze and mention blaze if you call them at 1-800-PATRIOT and you can get free activation up to two lines. That's free activation up to two lines if you mention blaze when you call 1-800-PATRIOT or check them out online at patriotmobile.com slash blaze. So this is Buy, Sell, or Hold. Our producer, Aaron, usually with a lot of help from his friends, you in the audience, puts out a series of statements uh, each week on various topics. Todd, you and I will decide, are we buying that or are we selling that? Maybe with even a good reason why that might be the case. Once per show, each of us are entitled to use a hold, but if we use it for any reason other than that, answering your question, your statement is beneath the uh, the respect for intellectual dignity, then we have punked out and we will be mercilessly mocked as the dude code commands. Aaron. Thank you, Steve. Uh, we'll start off with... Doubting Thomas, if I can actually do my job correctly here. Contrary to the current media narrative, the Democratic Party intersectionality competition will peter out as yet another overhyped politician uh, political fad, while yet another old white Democrat emerges as the party's nominee. I'll sell this for now. I'm going to sell on this, not because um, I, I don't think it's possible, if not likely, another white male will be the Democratic Party nominee, because I certainly think at the very least it is possible. Um, but I don't think it will fizzle out as another political fad. This is religious zeal. Okay, so I, I don't I don't see it petering out on any level whatsoever. It may not get the end game that it wants in this particular primary cycle. We'll see. It really hasn't even begun yet. I mean, the candidates have been slow to come to Iowa. The weather here has been so bad. Travel's been so bad. Uh, the two candidates that can probably raise the most money. It's funny. The three candidates that can raise the most money are Bernie Sanders. He's in the race now. 
Uh, he raised, what, $6 million his first day. Uh, Beto and Biden, are those are the three candidates that are going to be able to raise the most money. They're all white males. The, the latter two are not even in the race yet. So it really hasn't even officially begun. Uh, we haven't put them all on a stage yet uh, to virtue signal and have their intersectionality battle royale. So I, I don't see this fizzling out. I mean, it is the baseline theology of the next generation of progressivism, of, what, of, the, of Aaron's generation. So I don't think it's a fad at all. Um, I think it's the next religious um, conquista. Whether, though, it will have its way and hold sway in the outcome of this primary remains to be seen, however. Yeah, I'm definitely selling. The fads were things like diversity. Uh, yes, yes. We are now, How's my gay marriage impacting your yeah. marriage? And this yeah. is the mistake we make, though. We, we, we think that because, again, our relative comfort right now, we, we think that it's still down the road. No, it's, it, it's right now. The death of God syndrome, which is where they wanted to take all along, that full-on iconoclasm. You, the big guy. We're taking you down and all the things over all of human history uh, that we've hated about you, even though we claim you don't exist. We're living there right now. There's The fads were then. They got us here now. Mm-hmm. We need to fundamentally understand that. That's a great... that. Do you understand how important the distinction Todd just drew really is? That intersectionality is not the fad. It was the place they always wanted yep. to get us to. It was all. It was the tolerance, the diversity. Uh, it was the uh, you know uh, what a woman does um, you know with her own body and the in the privacy. Feminism, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Those were all. Now it's shout your abortion is where they always wanted to go. Intersectionality is where they always wanted to go. Bake the cake, bigot. These are the end games. Okay, these aren't the fads. The things that they use to deconstruct you and soften you up to get to their end game. Those were the fads. Yeah, that's a great point. Next one, Blair Richards says, decriminalization of quote-unquote sex work is the new frontier of that sexual sin slippery slope our culture is on. Bonus round, how quickly will liberal quote-unquote evangelicals declare it unloving to oppose said decriminalization? Um, I think that's, uh, I'm going to buy that on both ends. And... You know, it, it's 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 subtle things, like um, a sex worker that worked for the guy that ran the Bunny Ranch, having her picture taken recently with Tucker Carlson, and write and how she's a fan of his show, and writing about it um, uh, for the Federalist. I saw that this week. Those are the things, you know, um, that eventually we really all we here's the thing: all the arguments you would have against mainlining this you've already lost yeah you've already given them up and you can't you can't you can't claim for a year and a half that cnn is lying that donald trump slept with stormy daniels and then when the truth is that that he actually did and then come back later on and say you know no i don't want to legalize prostitution (laughs) you can't can't no, do. That's I, not how any of this works. Okay, we've already crossed the Mississippi. We're in the Wild West now. No doubt. Okay. No doubt. Uh, you know, you could actually make an argument that, given where we're at, it might even be more sane to go the other way. If you're going to go ahead and push the the line this far, Todd, what do you think? Yeah. By the libertine strain has long taken over the Republican Party. Not libertarianism, the libertine strain. That's another good way of saying it as well. We'll come back. More buy, sell, or hold in a moment right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. 
Uh, I've got to make a little correction, by the way. So the first movie date night Amy and I ever went on was to see a uh, George Clooney vampire movie called um, From Dusk Till Dawn. And that movie is like etched in my memory banks because it's one of the first dates I ever had with my uh, future and still wife. And so what's happened every time I've, I think, I think I've done this almost every time, if not every time we've talked about this product from Brickhouse Nutrition that I absolutely love. I have, uh, haven't I inverted the name? Cause my memory bank goes back to that film. Right. Um, you know, cause it, it, I don't remember like anything about the movie. It's just the first movie date I'd ever had with my wife. So it, it kind of has its, you know, place, uh, you know, embedded in the brain. So. If I'm going to endorse a product, I should absolutely make sure I'm, I'm telling you what it's actually called because I actually just used this product again this morning uh, before my uh, kickboxing workout. It is not From Dust Till Dawn. That is a movie that I don't even remember if it's any good. It was just a good memory for me. Uh, the product is actually called From Dawn to Dusk, okay? From Dawn to Dusk. That is the all-natural energy supplement from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. It doesn't come in one of those little bottles. Hey, here's a pretty good rule of thumb, okay? If you can pick up something from the same place that you get your gas or sells um, sushi in a, in a box. Oh, I love that stuff. <laughs> oh, millennials. It's probably not the healthiest option, all right? Especially when you turn over the label and there's 9,000 ingredients and at least 8,000 of them you've never heard of. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Yes, every now and then, you know, we do leave, we do live east of Eden. Every now and then, you know, we need an extra boost, man. We need to shut her down. We didn't get enough sleep. It's been a, a stressful day. Whatever the reason is, maybe I'm just getting older. Hey, we could use that boost. Get it the natural way, the way nature, your creator intended. From dawn to dusk, from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, it's the most advanced formula to stimulate more than. Uh, just the heart, but the brain, the cells, your metabolism, everything, and no crashes, no come downs, no jitters, no digestive issues, none of those symptoms. Take it from me. I use this on a regular basis, even if I can't remember what it's called all the time. All right. So get it right now from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition via BrickhouseSteve.com. That's BrickhouseSteve.com. Use promo code Steve. When you go there, you get 15% off of your first order at BrickhouseSteve.com. All right, let's continue with Buy, Sell, or Hold. Aaron. Constantinos Rodidas says Machado won't Take play more than yep uh, three seasons with the San Diego Padres before they sell his contract to another team. I'm going to sell. Uh, I think there's only a few teams that would be willing to even take on that contract even a few years from now. And he probably could have gone to those teams. We're talking about Manny Machado, for those of you that don't know. That's uh, the all-star shortstop slash third baseman free agent just signed by the Padres. He probably could have gone to one of those types of teams already. And I think his going to San Diego uh, is indicative of a guy that has decided quality of life matters as much, if not more to him, than chasing a championship in those markets that would take on his contract. Not that he doesn't want to win, but you know, if you're going to the San Diego Padres instead of one of those other huge markets that are competing on a regular basis. You are making the decision that uh, this is a great place to live. I'd rather live here than 
And and if we can win while I'm here, great. But if not, it's a nice life. So I I don't see that happening, at least not in the next three years. Maybe if we get into year seven, eight, I could see it, but not in the next three years now. So Yeah, this guy's not a gamer. I mean, he, he's a dirty ball player. Uh, by his own admission, yeah. he says, I don't hustle all the time, by uh, the way. He, yeah. And he's, uh, you know, you earlier today, you were talking on the show. They're not the exact same people, but you talked about uh, LeBron's motivations for going to L.A. That was with Kurt Schilling and I? Yeah. yeah. He's he, yeah, he's going to just hang out in San Diego and play some ball on the side and earn a lot of money to do it. You're, you're Props right, Props to him. Yeah, props to him for that. Uh, moving on, Tradical Catholic says the proper pronunciation of the word crayon is crayon. Lots of people say crayon. Uh, do we have a third, a fourth option behind? Besides? Why? Why was this one selected, Aaron? Uh, because this is a hot button topic. It is. Where? Oh my goodness, you're a little bit. Uh, I mean, we. I know we. Started the show off talking about how much you don't care about important things, but this is a little ridiculous. Is this, is this, was this a thing that I missed? Is this like, is the dress blue or black or what was the other word pronunciation that kind of went viral for a while? Lanny, Yorl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I, you're the boss. Can I say I don't care? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that as a buy. Moving on. Uh, Danny Britton <laughs> says, uh, it's more likely that 40-plus states will pass bills allowing for the murder of a child up until birth or mere moments afterwards than it is Roe will be overturned in the next 40 years. That's really bleak. Um, I'm going to buy because of his timetable. You know, I mean, if, if, if we're sitting here 40 years from now, when I likely won't be on this earth. I mean, what's the average lifespan right now? About 80 so that would make me 85, okay? So if if we're if you're still debating Roe v. Wade 40 years from now, I don't know what new medical advancements or scientific discoveries in the prenatal field. I mean, we're sitting here in 2019 right now talking about we birthed the kid, he's fully out of the canal, and we're just going to knife him right there, you know, in the tray, okay? I mean... <laughs> So if if, four, if if you haven't done it in 40 years, you're never doing it, would probably be my, my argument. So on that timetable alone, I would I would buy his premise. But I'm not as pessimistic about the next, say, if we did this in the next 10 years, I think there's a reasonable, let me put it this way. I think there's a reasonable chance you can overturn Roe in the next 10 years. And then I think if you don't overturn it in the next 10 years, then um, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That's what I think. Same. All right, moving on. Dueling Politics says, in light of transgender athletes in girls' high school sports, a parent finally takes a stand and is arrested for it. I'm going to, going to buy that. Uh, I'll volunteer for that duty, quite because frankly. Of, because of that guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm convinced. I am convinced, based on the fact that nobody in Connecticut, nobody in Texas has done this yet. I know Todd. I'm pretty sure, and the chances are probably pretty good, that he will be faced with this sometime. Todd is going to be the first person. I would put money on that. My wife and I were talking two days ago about, because of the Connecticut story, uh, and my oldest daughter, freshman in track, I've got an eighth grader right behind her, same thing, uh, in track, and they run at a a high level in high school. My oldest daughter's been... uh, um, uh, regionally and nationally um, successful as well. And what are we, how are we going to handle this? 
when it happens. And, you know, individually, I know how I'm going to handle it. I want to handle it. I, but um, coming together, making sure we're all prepared for it, having the conversation with our daughter uh, about how we will handle it. Because, I, I mean, I'm not just – when I was saying before about, you know, the moment is now, it, it, this is where we live. It's happening all around us. And, again, our, the gated community effect is just killing us. We are just it – is the, it's the Wally effect. We really are so fat, dumb, and lazy, we can't flat out see that our culture is committing suicide around us. Dads in those stadiums in Connecticut are sitting and watching this happen. I can't. Steve regularly does a good job of things he can't identify with, and I know he shares it. I can't. I, I don't know how you do that. How do you watch as your little girl's hard work and dreams are trampled on by total frauds? I don't get it. So I ain't playing that game. I'll be down on that track one way or the other. Here's my fear. Well, I'm going to buy the proposition. Here's my fear of what, how this will occur though. I'm going to go to another issue to make, to, to make an analogy of what I mean by this. Uh, and I'm not going to say who it was, whose show I was on. It was a national show. And overall he does a great job and I like him. Okay. So I don't want to like bury a guy for one moment when it's not indicative of his total body of work. Like if this guy was a consistent, you know, hack in this area, I'd, you know, give you his, you know, full name. But in this case, this was, this is not indicative of the, of the, of the total body of his work. So I'm just going to keep who show this was to myself. All right. Remember the Clive and Bundy story about four or five years ago? Yeah. All right. The Nevada, was it Nevada rancher, right? Mm -hmm. And the government confiscation and seizure of lands. All right. And then it came out that him and some of him or I don't know if it was him or people around him or in their troop or in their group basically had some racist thoughts or said written some racist things. I can't remember exactly what it was. Do you guys remember this though in general? Yeah. All right. And I was on a national show when this broke. And because I had just written a column for the Washington Times at the time about it. And the point I made in my Washington Times column was Clive and Bundy's racial views are irrelevant. They're irrelevant to this debate. We have we have we have rights that come from God and not government, particularly because people are not basically good, because people are sinners, people are bad. You rely on people to grant you something. They will then just as just as subjectively and randomly, what will they do if you give them the power to grant you something? What will they do later on? Take it away. Take it away. So Thomas Jefferson line, the government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take away everything that you have. There's a higher principle at stake and we don't often get to choose who our proxies are when those principles come to bear. Yeah, we'd love it if it was a guy that, uh, you know, had his uh, catechesis down and was the perfect, perfect victim. You know, I'm, I, sure, maybe you would love somebody skinnier and prettier than Kim Davis who had not had a recent faith conversion after three messy divorces. Sure, maybe, I guess, you know, we don't, but that's reality, folks. We all have, we all have baggage. We all have things about ourselves we're ashamed of. There is no perfect time. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, that there aren't times to say, mm, don't fall on the live, the down power line, like getting into bed with Alex Jones, for example particularly when you know later on they are going to continue to press their point and there will be a more opportune moment to make a stand. But, but 
my fear, just as it was, and, and, the, and this gentleman on his national show was, essentially, his argument was, and this is when he got mad at me and basically hung up on me, his argument really was, because Clive and Bundy may be a racist, we should just let the government do whatever it wants with our land. That, that, was, that, was, the, that was the effectual outcome of the opinion he was granting. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is, held in the no. Um, I'm capable of both saying, I think, you know, your views on race are abhorrent and I equally find the government's intrusion upon your God-given right to the property that you own, uh, equally so. I, I, I'm an adult. I can think two things at once, but thank you. Okay. Um, my fear is the first dad, sorry, I, I was, I almost went a whole show without banging my mic. I know. I noticed that. I jinxed myself. Crap. Okay, uh, the the first dad that does this is going to be some loony, yep, right out of central casting, who you know uh, wrote a Instagram post in two thousand eight that Sarah Palin should have been McCain's nominee because women have no place in the in politics. You know what I'm saying? I, that's that's gonna that's gonna be the first guy that does it. Yep, is somebody like and that. Then- and then we're all going to say okay. that's why we can't do this because he's terrible. And then National Review will write a piece. Uh, you got to let your good girls compete against men yes. because of this guy. Yes, that's my fear. That's why I nominate myself. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I got this. I got yes. it, America. Uh, moving on, Andrew Duvall says uh, Iowa mascot will be changed from Hawkeyes to King Kong. <laughs> I don't know how this game works. <laughs> oh, a thousand times yes. I should not have just taken a drink. Yeah. That was almost what And meant. props to you, Aaron. I mean, the way you've worn this, God bless you. Not No sulking. I know it's frustrating. Oh, um, but it's you're, terrible. man, putting it out there, letting it be what it is. Bravo. Because yeah. it's, it's, it is a joke. It is, what's happening now cannot in any way be compared on a consequential level to Penn State, Michigan State, the heinous things that happened there. Mm-hmm. But but on oh. any jackassery yeah. scale that you have, th- this cannot be rivaled. It, yeah. it, it is farcical. Yep. Uh, moving on. Matthew Schoen says, MLB rosters should be limited to nine pictures. Let me say that again. MLB rosters should be limited to nine pitchers to speed up the game. I'm going to sell on almost any attempt from the premise of speeding up the game. Okay. Um, I, I actually, and I've said this on, our, on my show with Kurt Schilling, if I were doing a branding messaging consultation with Major League Baseball, like I've done with you know causes and candidates in the political world, I would tell them whatever decisions you make, do not undo the distinctiveness of your game because you're going to make the same mistake a lot of the mega churches. And by mega church, I mean a motif, not a not a crowd size. All right. Spurgeon Calvin had churches with thousands of members that are considered some of the greatest teachers in the history of of Christendom. All right. And you know, Jesus or or, or St. Peter stands up and you know gives really the first post-Pentecostal sermon. Uh, the first Turner Burn sermon in the history of Christianity. You guys crucified your Messiah, you know, and it says right there, 3,000 men were saved. 
That would be by most American church growth estimates, 3,000 members would be considered a what? A megachurch, okay? So when I say megachurch, I want to clarify once and for all. I don't just, just because you have a large crowd at your church doesn't mean you have, you, your pastor's a hack. Any more than if no one comes to your church doesn't mean your pastor's principled. No one could come to your church because your pastor sucks, okay? And your pastor might have gotten a big crowd because he's really gifted and he maximizes it. Don't, don't, don't judge from the external. That's what man does, all right? So when I say mega church, I don't mean the size of the crowd. I mean the, the, the motif. The, you know, when we have a, we don't have, a, when we don't have elders, we have a board of directors. That's, that's what I'm talking about, that stuff, Okay. What a lot of these churches did is they decided, you know, let's become more like Oprah. And then people were like, if, if, if you're going to tell me exactly what the culture tells me, why shouldn't I just sleep in on Sunday um, and, uh, and not have to put up with the guilt of not putting money in the plate at the same time? That's why the denominations that grew— this is true in Catholicism. The, the more, the more a, a diocese or parish departs from catechism, attendance goes down. Same thing is true in Protestantism. The denominations that, go, that give up the ghost on marriage and sola scriptura, attendance always goes down. There was the big church in, what was it, Nashville, where Carrie Underwood went, and the pastor came out for gay marriage, and then like a year later it closed or something, mm -hmm. from what I recall. All right, So it would be a huge mistake for baseball to give up its distinctiveness. And, and part of the distinctiveness of baseball is the pace of play. Instead, enhance the fact that in a, in a world where we're busy all the time and my kids won't settle down ever, take advantage of that. Make the ballpark the new mall where you can literally spend an entire day there and the, and the, and the game is part of it where you don't feel like if you're at a football or basketball game and my kid says to me, I got to go to the bathroom. You feel like, oh crap, I'm going to miss everything. Yeah, no, no. Take advantage of the fact these are lazy, hazy days of summer. And it's a place where the pace of play lends itself to all of the other, hey, my kids can watch, I can binge watch a Netflix show. On, I got better Wi-Fi at the ballpark here and I'm outdoors getting a tan. And you know what? When when there's two runners on in scoring position and the, and the cleanup hitter comes on. I hit pause on my iPad and I tune into the game. You know what I'm saying? Don't ruin the distinctiveness of the game. Sell, 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 sell on all of that. I, um, I, I'll buy, uh, generally not, not necessarily the specifics of it doesn't have to be nine pitchers. I also like the notion of a pitcher has to face at least three batters. Uh, th this, this, purest notion that what's going on right now and i've talked about this before and it my brewers use this and with the bullpen but it's it that's not baseball that's getting away from actually pure baseball um i i'm fine having a discussion about changing things but more importantly i think we need to talk about the amount of money in the commercials um, that breaks up the game. Could you stagger it? Could you do it every two innings, perhaps, Steve? I, you know more about the dollars and cents. We could, we should address that as well. Nah, don't hold the line. Just make your product better as it is. You don't care about baseball. Yes, I do. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, 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 oh,